that's the cheers sound. It's been confusing people at weddings for years. <laughs> like, what's up with this guy? Everyone, and welcome to The Outpost, a podcast about inspired thinking. I'm Lacey, and we've got Jared, and we've got Krista, and we've got Tom. Jared, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing fantabulous. So excited to be on the pod today. Good. I'm glad to have you here. The pod um, sounds like a pod of whales. Oh, he's on the pod today. <laughs> <laughs> it's still going. It's like, you know what? I just need to double down. <laughs> Krista, do you have the first community question for us? I do. Okay. What is an old reliable muse that is sure to strike inspiration every single time? Mm. A muse, an old reliable muse, every time sparks in inspiration. I've been thinking about this for a while, and I've got some medium good answers. Who's got a really good answer? Is that where you want to start is really good. Yeah, and I then do. Back Let's go down. Good. Start good, go down in quality. Um. Well, don't look at me then. <laughs> Do my you answer, know? My what answers you got? are at best medium good. Okay. Um, I mean, my old reliableist muse is one we've talked about a bunch because of how old reliable it is. Is just being alone outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever been alone outside without starting to have creative ideas. You know, mm-hmm. like wandering through a forest or a field or just literally anywhere where like fresh air and nature and wind and stuff is happening. Like, it just happens no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Like a little more subtly, my muse that where I find things the most is in my own bad stuff. Mm. Like, like if ever I'm, like I can always get something done if what I do is I just sit down and I do something bad. Like I just do something, like do anything. Like if it's writing or working oh, on a I game see. design or doing anything creative. You like, mean like something that's not high quality? Yes. Like, okay. well, here I'm are like, my bad what ideas. Kind of yeah. Bad like are if, we yeah. doing? Yeah, I, I don't like do a bunch of heroin. I, like <laughs> if, if, you know, I'm trying to work on this creative project mm-hmm. and I'm like just searching for out. my muse, like I just need to do anything. And then when I come back to it later, my reaction to my own bad stuff is where I find my good stuff. Mm-hmm. Most of my good stuff comes from a reaction to my bad stuff. And like that is always the case. So they're really like, for me, there never really is such a thing as a block because like if I feel blocked, I just do anything mm-hmm. knowing that eventually that's going to be the like kindling for my better stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then talking to Dinah, um, like any time that I, you know, cause that's his wife, that's my wife. Um, often I will have like the pieces of an idea, but I'm not seeing them connected or I'm not. And so I'll just talk through it with her and she has incredible insights and is incredibly creative herself. And, you know, so in that conversation and that back and forth, like things will start sparking and Mm -hmm. jump. And then all of a sudden, like I'm dying to run off and like run away with this conversation. That kind of communication is so helpful with somebody who knows the way that you process information really well. It's such an asset to be able to collaborate with somebody who knows you that intimately. Yeah. Well, I think she's really good. Exactly. At like understanding like here's sort of the, you know, grain that Tom gets stuck in all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, this is Tom's groove. And so she'll say something that'll like pull me out of the groove just Mm -hmm. enough that all it's, Oh, and then I'm off to the races again. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Yeah. Those are all really reliable. 
Okay, who's got something better than Tom? <laughs> no, I think that was starting at the top, and now we'll go down here. <laughs> I refuse to be in any competition with Tom. Okay, deal. What What do you have, though, Jared? Um, so for me, uh, genre-specific music is a really uh, a, a consistent muse, not only because of the inherent emotion magic that is music, that you know it can set a, a mood and a vibe so uh, effervescently, but... Um, it has to be music that I'm not intimately familiar with. A and the, the playlists have to be large enough and expansive enough that I don't know each song front to back. Because as a musician and as a performer, I've trained my brain to be able to chunk songs into these like easy to conceive of pieces and so that I can prepare and be ready for that next section to come. And so like once a song comes on that I'm like pretty familiar with, it's like, okay, now that next part is coming. Okay, mm -hmm. now, and all of those thoughts are distracting me away from yes. the like creative exploration that I'm trying to do. Your brain moves over onto the music. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, the, the, the music beyond all of that provides the, uh, the kind of um, sound shielding to my brain because I'm so distractible. Any conversation going on in my vicinity, any, uh, you know, sounds, I am, uh, I am immediately drawn to that moment and imagining that space and I have no choice in the matter. And so, you know, the, the auditory isolation of cool music. Do you ever listen to just like white noise or pink noise? Yeah. I, that, cause I also get really distracted. And sometimes I like I have a Spotify playlist that's just called like Pink Noise Babies Sleep Sounds or something like that. And it's literally just it's like you're next to an airplane engine or something. I, I think it's but, like it's like cosmic waves of concentration or something. Yeah, it, it lets me really <laughs> I have turn never everything heard off. the term pink noise. It's like white noise, but less abrasive. So like mm. white noise has this really like intense oh. high end. Yeah. But pink noise <laughs> is more of a just like like hum like an in utero hum as opposed to in like, utero hum. <laughs> so calming mm -hmm. it's very soothing um i would say for me it's interesting i don't i don't feel like i have a muse what i feel like is there's this process for me of like turning if i can turn off my critical thinking for just a little while um and settle into not thinking very much it gives me the space to let my mind work in a way that lets inspiration come so for instance when I drive I'll listen to an audiobook or a podcast right or if I'm folding laundry I'll listen to an audiobook or a podcast and when I'm doing something with my my body driving or or doing chores and I'm listening to something that's long form it lets me turn off that problem solving piece of my brain and just lets me intake and just that process of unplugging from that type of thinking lets new ideas cook in the back and and be brought to the front when it's time for me to actually solve a problem so i don't know that doesn't feel like the best answer it doesn't really feel like a muse but just the process of getting my critical thinking to turn off for a little while gives me the space i usually need to solve a problem what's interesting is that it feels like we're all sort of identifying like our own unique the thing that we do to like let our mind be free yeah you know mm -hmm. and for each of us is slightly different mm -hmm. you know his mind is different than yours is different than mine mm -hmm. and so we all need to sort of like undistract ourselves or distract ourselves just mm -hmm. enough or like like manage our mind's instincts mm -hmm. to put it in a place where it's allowed to roam free yes mm -hmm. um krista are you different than that what do you have a specific muse what does that look like for you well, when I first heard that question, the first thing that came into my mind was the ocean. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, why is that? 
and I think it's something that is so vast and you can look out at it and it is just all encompassing. It is, it is massive. You can see the light on it. It has all these different conditions. But then if you look up close, like you look at all the creatures in a tide pool and you look at all those, you can just explore infinitely the tiny and the vast mm. in it. And that is just so inspiring. It's like, interesting it, at every scale. Exactly. So cool. Mm. Exactly. So you can lose yourself in it as, as a small thing, and you can lose yourself in the details. And while the ocean, I think, has a special place, I find that to be the case for a lot of things that really inspire me, like environments, like being in a forest. It's the same thing. You can see the perspective of the trees above you. You can feel it kind of enveloping you. But then also you can look at how the tiniest form of how a leaf or a part of a plant or anything is forming and just get this wealth of ideas. Mm, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Do you find that that experience for you is similar to what we were all just sort of identifying that like when you're doing that, that something in your mind becomes free or do you find that like for you, it's more about like really like taking in the details? I would say it's, it's some of both. Like it is a similar thing. It's like when I am in this place and I have all these jumping off points, it, it sparks other things. Like I'm not sitting in a, in a void or a vacuum and trying to think of something out of nowhere. It's like, oh, there's already all of this inspiration here. And then it just kind of automatically launches me into adding on to that. I love the, the dimensionality of having something be so awe-striking at so many um, focal points. And I think that's, that is true for both the ocean and the forest. And what's funny, too, to me about both those things is the element of the white or pink noise that's involved mm. with, with those environments, too. It's like in every sense we're trying to um, focus our minds or unfocus our minds. We're really trying to not let our thoughts be in control. That's what it seems like to me. There's sounds, there's things to look at that makes it so that our thoughts aren't running wild because if those thoughts are running wild, then there's no muse that's possible, I don't think, to, to come through and make an impact on us. Yeah, I think there's probably times when we need our thoughts to run wild and other times that we don't or we mm -hmm. need them to run wild on the in the right way. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's natural for people who live right now with the amount of input that we have and the amount of caffeine that we have and the amount of uh, adrenaline and cortisol that we have in our systems that naturally we're running, our, our, our thoughts are running away with us. So we need this rebalancing in order to make space for, for a muse and for inspiration to come. Yeah, they're running wild on the wrong things. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like commonly a lot of people use their different social medias and media feeds as like a selective way mm -hmm. of cognitive balancing. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm interested in like ha making aesthetic judgments and, and looking at things that are pretty. And so I'm going to go on Instagram or Pinterest or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that you're like that people who are not not engaging with that cognition in a, in a creative way, but are still, you know, manifesting their own uh, like mind spaces through the type of stuff that they're choosing to bring in. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes social media like that is like its own type of white noise. However, it's a white noise that that doesn't actually let your mind relax because there's still so much stimulus that's being taken in. Um, interesting. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on. Yeah, we're pretty musy. <laughs> All right, so the next community question is, what is the state of your house right now? Oh, it's such a good <laughs> question. 
I love this type of question because I firmly, firmly believe that your outside environment is very much a reflection reflection of your internal environment. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Is that a bad Krista setup? Krista rejects your... that notion. So, how does your house? What's the state of your house right now? So I added one more book to my bookshelf. Yes. And it just collapsed. Oh my it goodness. collapsed. Like the book started like falling out and onto me as the shelf like Are you slowly. serious? Did the shelf yeah. break? Did it yeah. buckle? Oh my goodness. My D&D shelf almost did that. I pulled them off a few months ago. So wait, ago. you put one, one book on it. Well, no, I put one more book that was <laughs> yeah, already there. Right, right. But like that <laughs> was the experience. How many pages was the book that broke you set the shelf one down. book on there and then the whole... <laughs> Was yeah. there a moment like where you could tell it was going to, or did yeah, it just happen they were instantly? Slowly falling on me, and I was trying to catch them. And so <laughs> I wish I could see now it's so bad. Just like stacks of books everywhere, like all over, like including on my bed, and it's just. Yeah. But you tried to catch them as they were falling. Yes, you're <laughs> sleeping with the books in your bed. <laughs> my mom always makes a joke. I sleep with dirty dishes in my bed, and I always have. And so when I was a kid, <laughs> we can come back to that. <laughs> <laughs> When I was they a kid, my grandparents lived near this park, and in the park was a tennis court, and all these tennis balls would just end up in the grass okay. in this field, and their dogs would bring the tennis balls back. So there was this big, like, apple basket full of tennis balls all okay. the time. Mm-hmm. And they had an enclosed staircase, like, with walls and doors on each end that would go down to the basement, and their two Labradors would sit at the bottom, and cousins and I would dump the whole basket Stop. of balls. So, like, 50 <laughs> tennis balls bouncing down the stairs, which is awesome enough. Yes. But then the dogs would try to catch every dang one of them. Yes. So they'd, like, catch one and then get hit in the face and try to catch another and drop those and <laughs> grab it and just would lose their minds. Such a good scene. That's and that's Krista. Krista was doing trying to catch her Yeah, book. so you're like a Labrador. <laughs> wow. And so that's the state of your house right now? Yeah, just piles. Of you need a new bookshelf? Is that what we're hearing? Yeah, or I need to fix the one that I have, but I just haven't done that. I just no. leave the. Is all of this a piles. metaphor? I mean, yes, Ooh, it probably is. <laughs> yeah. <I think>. Uh-huh. <laughs> hmm. What's broken inside you right now? Shall we talk about You're it? You're carrying too much weight. <laughs> Let's not talk about <laughs> it. Wow. <laughs> real. It got too real. Oh boy. <laughs> I blinked three times. <laughs> she did the Morse code <laughs> blink. Stop, stop, stop. Stare in my eyes. <laughs> Jared, how's the state of your house right now? We have seven adults living with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lindy and I, uh, you know, try try our best to, to like, stay ahead of all of the, um, all the, the house chores and the cleaning and stuff. Um, but even still, it's, like, a struggle. And we're still trying to, you know, take care of Liam and everything. And um, the the outside of the house is really, really bad. The winter has um, uh, done a number on the backyard. There's lots of stuff all over the place. You um, just know what the mm-hmm. neighbors are thinking of you. Well, we've got some hedges, and so <laughs> <laughs> only the really, matter? only the really creepy neighbors know. Plus, we've lived in that like. house for decades, and everyone knows who so we are. They so know they, what to it's, expect. It's, it's, <laughs> it is what it is. You know, they know the Lingle House. Yeah, there's some loose stuff around. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, basically our house is at the edge of catastrophe. If uh, everyone stopped doing what they were doing yeah. in like 24 hours, you couldn't find the people. <laughs> <laughs> I bet most houses are that way. Yeah, that's pretty good. What's the state of your house? Um, okay, mine's interesting because I, I think I have such an interesting schedule. I have my kids half the time. <clears throat> and so when they're there, I'm very, you know, pretty strict about routine. I want their laundry somewhere. I want them to bring their dishes somewhere, right? When they're gone, however, I don't follow any of those rules at all. My house is usually in pretty disarray when they're gone. 
Um, however, I'm like dating right now, and so I have an excuse to have my house look nice. <laughs> so if if the question is, what's the state of your house right now? It's not bad. It's pretty. Good. There's it smells good in there. There's candles. It's like uh, it's pretty good. Why do you do you know why you let it go when the kids are gone? Um, because I'm a hypocrite. Well, that doesn't really seem like the like core, <laughs> like. Um, because when they're not there, then I, I, I don't know. That's such a good question. I don't want to have to do anything more than what I have to do. And so those rules are important and a good structure when there's so many people to be responsible for. But when it's just me and I'm making the mess and I'm going to be the one that's cleaning it up anyway, it feels like I have less reason to have to stay orderly. It seems like you probably also like mom and work and this Mm -hmm. and that, like you are filled up to here all the time. And like when they go, like you need some recovery room. Yes. And so you let things do whatever because recovering is more important than mm-hmm. the dishes being done because you can do it later. Yes, is I that, agree. Hmm. And the ants really like that, you know. Well, that's nice. Take mm-hmm. care of those ants. Do you think yeah. that a, do you think that a portion of it is because like you're only hurting yourself and that when it comes to them yes. you're trying to teach about the like the the fact that their actions will have negative impacts on others if you don't clean up then you just have to clean up later but if they don't clean up then you have to clean up that's exactly what it is yeah if it's if it's my responsibility either way to be the one cleaning stuff up then when they're there we've got to do it consistently if they're not there then i'll do it whenever i think that makes sense it feels right okay what about who's next how's the state of your house the state of my house is awesome um kidnapped any repairmen lately <laughs> We've talked about it a lot. Um, no, our house, I mean, our house is exactly how we want it. You know, it's, it's absolute chaos. Like we're, we're, we have this old house that's a major fixer upper. And so we're always, it's an ongoing construction project all the time. Right now we have our kitchen all ripped out. So like there are literally dishes stacked in the bathtub. Um, you know, you go to get in the tub at night and it's like, oh, I have to do these dishes now. And, <laughs> and um, like, song in Tick Tick Boom about that. Wow. Really? Yes. We'll listen to it later. And you know, and and we homeschool, so there's also homeschool stuff everywhere. And we have two kids, so there's just stuff everywhere. And um, you know, so it is chaotic, but it yeah. also like that's what we wanted. Like it feels lived in. It feels full. It feels like. There's just so much love and life and worthwhile things happening. And like, I suspect someday a time will come when like the house is in perfect order and we're really going to miss right now. Even though sometimes right now it's, there are dishes in the bathtub, you know, (laughs) but you know, I think like we're also able to see that like there's something special and magical about that and Mm -hmm. sort of appreciate it in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, yeah, it's nuts, but in 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 a full way in a charming way. yeah mm-hmm. though it will it'll be nice to have a kitchen sink back mm-hmm. and we'll have a dishwasher for the first time which is going to be great oh, you've never had one mm-hmm. that'll be fun yeah. instead of the bathtub i mean the bathtub works mm-hmm. but it involves a lot of work from us yes the dishwasher does it for us mm-hmm. though we are not good at understanding dishwashers we keep calling it the washing machine <laughs> Because we just like I have like have are not used to talking about the dishwasher, yes. which is I don't know its own kind of something to analyze. 
I just want to get a psychoanalysis of what it means that Tom's got dishes in his bathtub. And also, I'd like to see an animated version of you in the bathtub <laughs> with said dishes, like rub-a-dub-dub. Yeah, clean yourself, clean the dishes, oh, two birds. I 100% have recently sat in the bathtub with the shower on, cleaning dishes, see? and then setting them out of this the tub. we need. While also... <laughs> Washing yourself. Yeah, so it's a whole thing. Wow. I need that episode. Uh. Just a whole, a whole, the whole scene. But let's move on, shall we? Okay. <laughs> All right, y'all ready to move on to our main topic then? Our main topic for today is one that came from my muse, which is fail share. Okay, we're talking about failure today. My favorite subject. Um, when we're talking about other people's failures, at least. So we're not going to start with me today. Um, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna point us. Feels good to hear about other people failing. It does. There's something about knowing how other people just don't succeed that makes you feel better about yourself, and that's what I am here for today. Um, I just think we should start with Tom. Let's start with the tallest, largest man in the room and tell us your failures. Tell you my failures. Yeah. Um. So we're focused on creative failures, just for context. You don't get to hear about all my other failures. You, we, you can bring whatever failure creative you want. Creative failures. There's, there's lessons to be learned from all the failure. Uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, I have a number of things. It's, I think my most consistent failure is just failing to see things through. Um, like throughout my life, I have dozens of things that I've started but not finished and each of them feels sort of like a missed opportunity or a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like currently, I would say my current failure is that I'm not making any time for my like personal non-Orange Nebula creative projects. You know, mm-hmm. I started several things while I was on my heart surgery leave Um that I have worked on literally zero minutes since mm-hmm. I came back. Mm-hmm. But during the leave, I was working on it all the time and I was like learning things about myself and like really like it was, a, they were good projects. Um, but now it's just like nothing mm-hmm. and I need to make time for that stuff. And that feels sort of like an ongoing failure. Yes. Um, I, yeah. Whew. You feel that Might too, Jared? Might hit you right in the, right in the Jared. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and the Krista. Mm-hmm. I... One thing that came to mind when I was trying to think of like concrete failures, I guess I had two things. One, one was there was this time when I was in high school where I got it in my head that like I wanted to paint something. Okay. Like, like, and I wanted to like just make something abstract, you know, because I'd never really been a painter, but I had it in my head that like I was going to like get these paints and get in the garage and I was going to like, it was going to be impossible to fail because all I was trying to do was express something. And okay. so whatever I did, it was going to be an expression. It was going to feel like I brought something out of myself and it was going to like serve its purpose. Okay. So I got all these paints and I got in the garage and I made this thing and I did not have that experience. I did not feel like I'd expressed anything at all. I just what did you paint? failed to paint. It was just like, you know, mixed media gestural okay. stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it was literally just supposed to be like... You know, like those paintings that you look at and you're like, a child could do that. Those, That's squares. Okay, I got you know, it. like mm-hmm. it was very much just an abstract thing. Um, and if, you know, I didn't have any sort of expressive experience. And so then it just felt like a failure and I walked away from mm-hmm. it. Um, so I remember that one mm-hmm. and we could unpack these later, I guess. Yeah, did but, you ever, have you ever tried it again? No, and I think that was part of the failure was like not giving it a chance, mm-hmm. not continuing to try and looking for something, you know, cause there's other things at play. Like I felt like it's not good and you know, like mm-hmm. 
Um, but you know, I think more than that, I also sort of learned that like not every media is going to be your zone for expression. Mm -hmm. And I was able to find that expression in other places. And, um, but I do wish that I kind of stuck with it and tried a little more. Mm -hmm. And then the only other like actual thing that I thought of was there was a game that Mark and I were working on between Unsettled and Spiritfire that we put a lot of time into Mm -hmm. and it was going to be the next game. And we ended up walking away from it and you know, like we, we, we have, it doesn't necessarily feel like that was a failure. Like we will take it back up at some point and something will come from its ashes down the line. But like at the time walking away from it, even though it was the right thing to do, like it just sort of felt like, yes, like it, an it, abandonment of yeah, it, your responsibility. I think it felt like failure more than it actually was failure. Yeah. And, um, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are my things. I had something else okay. to say about that, but maybe it'll occur it'll to me come, in a minute. I'm sure yeah. it'll come back up again. Yeah. Um, let's see. Krista, I know you hate it when I call on you for anything, so let's just get over that now, okay? Um, do you have one that you're ready to share? Well, I have many. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, the one that is coming to mind now is a, a kind of a over an exclusive focus on technical skill okay like i always really want to improve my technical skill and i always have this feeling like okay if i could just get to a higher level then i will feel confident and competent and so like getting out of school after college and things like that and and going into the world i i felt like that was the the thing that I had to do and, and is just improve this technical skill, which of course is always the case. But I think forever in my life, I've kind of fixated on that as a thing that is easy to control that I can just, you know, pour my whole self into and, and feel progress like measurable. I'm, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And feel like I am expending effort and, and somehow gaining Yielding worth a return. through that. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so that was like kind of my, easy easy dragon to slay and then going out after college and and realizing oh there are no more assignments there's no more Mm, grading yeah there's no more professors it's only the real world Mm -hmm. and so I realized that I had just had this absolute lack of like being a person Mm -hmm. and like so much of what we do like when we're working together is just interacting with other people and you have to like be a person that people want to be around and I was just like an absence Mm. and I think part of that failure kind of you know the world will tackle that for you because as you go out into the world and you try and build these technical skills you know you need to rely upon teachers you need to go out to places where this learning takes place and you bump into things and you bump into people and then you you find you you know you find out what you are Mm -hmm. and so kind of I guess school of life has taught that one that is interesting I try to teach that to my employees too. the idea that like we're gonna be we're good at our job already you know maybe we're not the best but we're good at our jobs the reason that we work well with people is because they like us you know and so like you need to you need to actually make friends with the people you need to know how to how to engage interpersonally 
because that is what's going to get you the grace for when you inevitably mess up and you know we continue that relationship because they like you and those it's so easy to focus on these technical skills did i do this right did i check these boxes that it can be a bit of a failing to not really consider your character and and the way that you interact with other people as one of the main assets that you have as a creative and i think that even like it can be hitting those technical boxes can be a way of hiding from oh. the from that kind of personhood element as well wow mm -hmm. <laughs> true <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes I lean too far to the other side. <laughs> I've got a lot of personhood and maybe I'm not checking too many other No, boxes, that's wonderful. <laughs> we love your personhood. Thank you. <laughs> um, Jared, you have one to start? I know you got a couple. Yeah. Let me let me see if I can do two and, okay. and not like take the whole podcast. Okay. Um, so my my creative life here at or Orange Nebula, my creative career <clears throat> has been uh, full of very edifying and productive and, and improving experiences but I don't really feel like I have I have experienced you know a, a real like gut punching failure yet and so I want to share a couple of experiences from my from my own artistic career okay. and artistic journey as an actor and so I'm a so I'll start with a, uh, a high school theater audition for a straight play um, and there are only like five or six characters and I, I really wanted to be the main guy and have my current girlfriend be the girl. And I oh, wanted yeah. to do the Look whole thing. Oh, yeah. Look at that vision. That'd and, be wonderful. And, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we're at the audition and I am down to the last couple of, of guys for that role. And I'm like, oh, the, you know, the, the possibility is real. It could be me. It could be me. And then just as a random uh, try, the director says, hey, Jared, could you, like, do the scene again? But this time, could you, like, take do the butler character? I know you didn't prepare it, but I just want to see how it goes. And the, the way that I did it like all the people who were in the audience, uh, not the audience, all the, the other people auditioning, they all, uh, you, you know, were like, were, were impacted by the way that I did the butler and thought mm. that it was both funny and, you know, heartfelt and touching. And so I ended up like becoming the, the butler. And, but in the short term, immediately after finding out, I felt like the other character had died. Mm. Like a real person who I'd created in my mind, in my heart, and my soul had died and I had to say goodbye to them. I literally like Green. went to the costume happens. room and was like, <laughs> you know, goodbye. I like said a thing to this character that I had imagined you did, myself I love being. That. I did, yeah. But I but what I but what I learned from that is that, you know, even though I did not succeed in the exact frame that I imagined, I still was able to grow and learn and have an edifying experience as uh, in that smaller role. And I, I was able to find many different opportunities to to really uh you know stand out and do do a fun or do a funny thing uh, you know what's impressive to me about that situation is just how quickly you were able to recognize and grieve that loss because sometimes when we don't do that right away that's when resentment and negativity builds inside of us and then the grieving process and the letting go of that dream process can take a lot more time energy and effort because of how much roots have grown in you of that negativity so the fact you were able to just kind of go in the dressing room and and address it was the next that. day. I had okay. a solid 24 hours. Okay. Being real bummed. Yes. <laughs> Betraying yourself into butlerhood. Yes. <laughs> well, I got to play a young butler and an old butler in that play. So it was really fun. I got to be like young, chipper, and spry and just like frustrated. But then, you know, the older uh, the, the older guy was much was much funnier. The, the wizened butler. Yeah. All jaded. Uh -huh. Yeah. 
Well, I love that. That's that's I really am impressed by the grieving process because that's so important. Anytime that we've most of our failures have to have that grieving process or else, you know, it turns it turns dark and ugly inside mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Now, the other the other failure has to do with like no knowing what you need and shooting yourself in the foot and making things harder for yourself for no mm. reason. And, you know, in the, in the acting world, it's expected that you should, you know, have a book of songs and a few monologues that are just like, you know, in your pocket to whip out whenever. And uh, I, I normally only have a book of songs. And if an if a audition requires a monologue, I will learn and prepare a monologue in the time in between me finding out about the audition and the audition happening. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously that makes it so that each individual monologue that I'm doing that's different every time is not as good as it could be if I was working on them throughout the year. And then whenever an audition came, I had a monologue that was right. prepared. And so I went and I did this big, like, uh, singing audition in front of, a, uh, like, 70 different... Um, uh, theaters and casting directors and then a an agency here in Portland contacted me and was like hey we saw you sing and we really liked you know your acting and stuff we, we want you to come do a monologue for us an audition to maybe have us represent you for like TV and film and other on-camera stuff and so I you know did my normal thing of uh, looking for a monologue procrastinating not getting the monologue uh, exactly uh, perfect to where it could be and uh, you know having to to show a lesser version of myself mm. to them and you know have them tell me you know basically in no uncertain terms that I was not at the point where they you know felt comfortable representing me and that but they knew that I had the the potential and so mm-hmm. if I if I went off and worked I could potentially come back and and audition and so what I learned from that is that when there is something big that you are looking for on the horizon you need to be actively preparing for it and so I had this kind of whispering thought idea after talking to Mark at one point several months before starting to work here many months um, where I was like, whoa, maybe a job at Orange Nebula could be like a thing that I could do. And um, at that moment, I started working on the Dungeons and Dragons expansion that I have been thinking about for you know close to a decade, and uh, like act- spent you know those months all my free time you know building it and filling it out. And then when it finally you know came time for the the eventual um, interview. We didn't even look at my resume, and we just spent the whole interview talking about the the expansion that I made, and it, yeah. And so basically, what I what I have learned is that just like in D and D, when you fail, you want to you want to fail forward. That when when there is a a moment where you have not reached what it is you ha- what you wanted, that you refocus, you reassess what needs to be done, you strategize, and then you implement. It reminds me of in the Lottery Lie episode where you're talking about how you stand in a room and there's uh, doors all over and those doors are like opportunities that you need to be ready and prepared to walk through those doors. And, you know, if you if you don't actually take the time to get yourself prepared, then you don't have have the confidence and the aptitude to walk through the doors of many opportunities. Did you have something to share, a failure, or do we want to skip you? Yeah, I have a couple. What do you got? One that is just kind of my main consistent failure is just taking care of myself well. I, I, I'm highly extroverted, and so I really love spending time around other people. It's important for my work to be able to, to collaborate with other people. However, if I don't get 
hours of alone time where no one else is around or will see me at all, then I kind of crack. The problem with that is that usually is only accomplished after everyone is asleep somewhere, you know? So after all my children are asleep, after everything's done, then I'm spending multiple hours by myself editing videos, playing on my phone, laying in my hammock, and it usually leaves me up until 2 in the morning. And then my anxiety disorder is even worse because I get up in the morning and my cortisol is high because I'm exhausted. And so this is kind of a constant failure loop for me that I have not found a solution to. And I'm just in a state of, of failure most of the time in that sense. So here's, that is actually sets up something I've been thinking of really well. So as we've been sitting here talking, I've been trying to figure out like, like what's, something to talk about other than like the value of failure Mm -hmm. and look at us. We can learn things by failing and Mm -hmm. failing is healthy and good and helpful and whatever. Like I think everyone knows that to some degree and certainly we all know that and have talked about that many times. Yeah. Um, but you're describing this failure loop Mm -hmm. and you know, I described my own experience of starting but not finishing things consistently. And so that's sort of a loop for me. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone sort of agreed with that one. So no one shared that as their same thing. But that's probably a kind of a universal thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's occurring to me that when that happens, when I fail at something that I failed at before, and there's a potential lesson to be learned, but that I already know. Yes. Like... So, yes, exactly. (laughs) Like, instead of learning the lesson, I get frustrated with myself. Angry. Yeah, I get get frustrated, disappointed, mad. Like, I just feel stupid. Like, I have a different reaction all the time depending on where I'm at emotionally, psychologically, whatever. But, you know, if I already know the lesson, like, that's not a productive failure for me usually. And Mm -hmm. so I think what I'm finding lately is that you know when when those fails happen to allow myself the ability to learn a lesson again as if for the first time Mm -hmm. and like have that be something that I'm mentally conscious of like there's a lesson to be learned here learn it as if for the first time like it's okay that I'm learning again that I need to follow through on projects and and bubble whatever the lesson is and instead of just getting frustrated with myself, really just reapproaching the lesson and that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think sometimes it takes that. Like you are coming back to the same thing again and again because it hasn't been worked out. Like it keeps reappearing. And so it takes that like returning to that cycle and maybe you learn it a little more and a little deeper each time. My counselor tells me to just to be easy on myself for those things that you know, being hard on myself about these kind of consistent failures over and over again is not going to make it change. And maybe accept the more I can learn to accept this failure, the the less control and power it will have over me. I'm not sure. I haven't experienced that yet because I still feel like a daily failure in that space. But I, it, it's just such a conundrum because I also feel like I need that space to succeed. So I, I it's a paradox. I don't know. There's no way out mm-hmm. right now. So if I just try to be easy on myself and not punish myself for the failure, I don't know, over time, maybe it'll lessen. But maybe it won't. Maybe I'll be like this forever. Well, I think also, I mean, you're in a phase of life and like you are and I am in the same phase of life where it's like 
like you have little kids Mm -hmm. like there's only so much you can control your time Mm -hmm. and this just sort of like the situation will not be ideal for this part of our life that we're talking about like the situation for creating isn't going to like perfectly allow us to control our schedule to like maximize and efficiency eyes like self-help book whatever mm-hmm. like the perfect this is the perfect window for me to be creative it's like yes. well too bad that's when the kids are doing kid stuff yeah mm-hmm. and like and just like you said giving ourselves grace in the season mm-hmm. and like slowly absorbing lessons for the future mm-hmm. and but then doing the best that we can right now and know that like you know not every lesson has to apply to forever you know mm-hmm. the, the the lesson can apply differently at different times yeah. and but i think giving yourself grace is something that's encapsulated in just about all lessons mm-hmm. um the the only other one that i felt like sharing today um i fail in most um partnership attempts uh, maybe it means I I have control issues, maybe. But anytime that I've attempted partnerships, um, you said these have to be creative, so we'll leave out all my exes. But like uh, from a from a business perspective, the only time that I've brought in a partner um, that failed pretty pretty badly. You know, bringing in a business partner who there isn't the power dynamics aren't clear and the um, the responsibilities aren't super clear and the money situation isn't super clear. And the reason I brought in a business partner was because of what I perceived as my own lack of skills and brought somebody in who I thought could fix that, you know? And, and what ended up happening was a lot of judgment coming from them and me choosing to like, okay, well, I've obviously been doing this wrong. And so I need to listen to this person who's going to fix things for me, um, which, you know, this, this situation, there was one moment where I remember kind of taking my, my power back when this, this woman who was kind of running the operations of my business um, was said to me, you know, I, I just don't see you doing a lot that's successful right now. I see you running around doing these lacy things, but it's not actually turning into revenue for us. And in that moment when somebody looked at me and said, I see you doing these, I, something inside me just kind of shifted. Your fire was lit. And I'm like, you know, me running around doing my lacy things is why all of us are here right now. And so I'm going to be doing those things and we'll figure out how that works into everything else later. Hell yeah. That is fascinating. And and it from then it ended up we ended up having to go to business counseling, which is a thing if you didn't know. Um. <laughs> it's just a boxing ring. <laughs> business counseling. Yes. And um, you know, I ended up ending that partnership and basically anyone who I've become legally involved with, I've had to pay to leave me alone. Um so that's a lesson uh for me. Um but that was a bit of a failure. There, there were obviously there were things that I gleaned from that relationship, and I, you know, this woman helped build up my operations for my business and helped bring in our first real employees um, for the business. But I won't ever again be in a situation where there isn't clarity around control of decision making, and and I won't partner with anybody who feels like they need to fix something for me. I find that to be really fascinating. Pushing it. <laughs> Is there something else you need to buy? Are you setting alarms it's, for another thing you need no, to buy? No, it's a different thing I need to do. Thank you. <laughs> I have many alarms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I find that to be really fascinating too in like almost like this having this external person like you know you brought her on for, for these internal perceived lacks but yes. then having that external person there telling you that like almost you were able to have the resolve to when it's an external person to say no this yes. is what i value this is what i am wow yeah that's just like the, the horrible things that that other people say to us we can like measure that against against reality so long as we're in a good space yes but the stuff that that we tell ourselves is so much harder to to counter because we're the ones saying it yes. it's not like oh well that person's wrong why are they wrong it's like well i think this about me this is a truth about me this is a fact about mm, me like good point mm -hmm. wow okay well thank you for sharing your failures all together we're very today. good at that we are i knew this would be a, a good easy episode for us to be able to just dump our failures on each other um but i'm impressed so much by all of you and i love the opportunities that we have to and be us able by to you sit here and thank you and and be open this way and share what we've learned and how we failed so thank you for showing up for us today Thank you. If you're interested in feeding us some ideas because you think that our ideas suck, uh, you can go to orangenebula.com slash topics and we'll tell you to leave us alone, but maybe then we'll actually take our ideas and have them on the podcast. Yeah. I don't know. Um, anything else? Y'all have anything else? You happy? I'm very happy. Okay. Yeah. Good. Then thank you for spending some time with us and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Tell us about what weird thing you were going to tell us about earlier, about how your family gives you rashes. <laughs> no, we should save that for the house question. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>